Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. It's Monday, March 16th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick. And this is What a Day coming to you from two apartments on opposite sides of Hollywood, California. Yeah, we're so far away and yet I've never felt closer. I'm 95% certain I'm using this microphone wrong. (laughs) So as we said, we're recording the show from home today. And our goal here, as always, is just to keep you informed but not overwhelmed. So that's what we're going to keep doing. On today's show, the Democratic debate, some headlines, but first, a bunch of updates about COVID-19, the coronavirus. Yeah, there's lots of news going on as the pandemic continues to upend events, schools, entire healthcare systems, and economies worldwide. Today, we are going to focus on the United States and what actions states, localities, businesses, and finally, the federal government are taking to slow the spread of the virus and its economic effects. Akilah, take it away. There's been endless news this weekend. We're all talking about it. Let's hop in. So the CDC is now recommending that all events and gatherings of 50 people or more be canceled for the next eight weeks nationwide. So that's curtains for the Kentucky Derby, the Masters, concerts, many weddings, conferences, and sporting events. You know, this is massive and unprecedented. Uh, The CDC says the guidance doesn't apply to -to day-to-day operations of schools, colleges, or businesses, though. But the idea here is to prevent the virus from spreading further. Right, exactly. And businesses, cities, and states are kind of stepping up as well, right? That's right. So in Massachusetts, California, and Illinois, all bars and entertainment venues are being closed and restaurants are restricted. Ohio has ordered all bars, entertainment venues, and restaurants to close. New York City, which had held out on closing its public schools, just reversed that decision yesterday. And a lot of retailers are closing down worldwide for the time being. Patagonia and Apple were the most high profile, although Apple is open in China. But Wynn Resorts and MGM Resorts in Vegas are shutting down for two weeks starting Tuesday Again, this is all about making sure our healthcare systems don't get overwhelmed with new cases, just like we've seen in Italy, and steps we might have been able to avoid if our federal government hadn't failed on containing this earlier. Bleak, but true. But (laughs) going back to the federal government and D.C., there's a bill working its way through Congress called the Families First Coronavirus Response Act. The House passed it late on Friday, around midnight or so. What do we know that's actually in this bill? Right. So this all went down on Friday and it was kind of a crazy day of negotiations between Nancy Pelosi, who was running things in the House and the White House. So at one point, House members were waiting for Trump to tweet his support for the deal before they could move forward, which is honestly not the way I'd want the government to be run, but whatever. Yes. Um, in terms of what's in the bill, here's the biggies. There's two weeks of paid sick leave for workers and up to three months of paid family and medical leave. But and this is a really big but. That doesn't apply to workers at companies with more than 500 employees or small businesses who could be put out of business by providing the benefit. This is a big gaping hole that leaves out all but 20 percent of Americans. According to reports, congressional Republicans in the White House pushed for the exemptions. The second big thing in the bill is that it pays for free coronavirus testing for every American that gets tested. 
even people who are uninsured. The big but here, though, is that while this takes care of the cost of testing, it doesn't solve the problem that we don't have enough tests. So we'll have more on that later this week and, you know, until we get those tests. Um, Then there's also increased funding for food assistance and unemployment insurance. Reportedly, there are some technical issues with the bill that need to be worked out. And so we may need to see an updated version and maybe that'll get voted on again as soon as today. Right. We'll watch out for that, of course. But all of these measures are meant to support people who are hurt by the economic impacts of the mass shutdowns that we're seeing and to make sure that everyone has the economic ability to follow the advice of health officials and stay home when they are sick. So what does the Senate have to say about all of this? Well... By Friday, Mitch McConnell had sent the Senate home for the weekend, so that's not great. You know, like they literally left early for the weekend in the middle of a pandemic, but fine. Leadership is different to some people. <laughs> but hopefully they'll take up the House bill early this week and there won't be, you know, all these other holdups. Like you said, the bill is about helping people out, but it's also about demonstrating that the government can rapidly and effectively respond to this crisis. You know, that's a huge part of making sure people don't panic is feeling like there's someone in charge that can handle it. Right, exactly. And especially when it seems like there hasn't been as of late. But speaking to that panic, there's one measure of that in the stock market. We'll see how it responds today. But to that end, over the weekend, the Federal Reserve took some emergency actions on the economy. What do we need to know about those? Yeah, so the Fed is trying to prevent the health crisis from becoming a financial one also. On Sunday, they cut interest rates to almost zero, which hasn't happened since the 2008 financial crisis. And they also said they'd back $700 billion in government debt. And that's just to prevent a debt crisis. You know, this all comes after other drastic moves from the Fed last week, which they said weren't bold enough. So really what they're trying to do is they're going further, and the goal is to demonstrate that they're going to keep things stable and functional. Meanwhile, Trump said on Saturday that he could remove the head of the Fed, which is a crazy thing to say in the midst of a crisis when you are you know, trying to project any kind of stability at all. Yes, not ideal. Uh, Well, we'll have more later this week on what this all means for the economy and not just the markets, but the actual economy that we all live in. Stay tuned for that. Hey, gang. So uh, lots going on in the world. Everything's feeling pretty overwhelming and dire. And Since we've been covering this for almost two months and will be for the foreseeable future, we wanted to take a beat to slow down, be human beings, and talk about how we're doing in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. So Gideon, how you feeling? I'm okay for now. You know, trying to do the normal stuff, checking in with folks, taking it day by day, looking for good recs on how to waste my time inside. (laughs) Um, Akilah, have you watched or listened to anything great in this brave new world that we're now living through? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I Let's see. I've been listening to the new Tame Impala album. I kind of slept on it, but it is very relaxing, very chill. Check it out. And uh, I saw Goodfellas for the first time. <laughs> so got to say things are going really well. 30 you know? years after the opening, you know, very, uh, you're catching up quickly. You know, never too soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that was, um, I want to say akin to taking a walk around the block. I don't really have a segment name yet. So If you're listening, tweet at us and give us suggestions for what to call this daily interlude. And keep listening to our show every day. We're going to keep you posted on what snacks we're getting into, new and innovative designs on pillow forts, and uh, maybe a few experts will join us along the way. Who knows? 
Sunday brought us the first one-on-one debate between former Vice President Joe Biden and Senator Bernie Sanders. The two candidates were asked about everything from the coronavirus pandemic to their hand hygiene, personal weaknesses, and prior extensive voting records. There was an elbow bump and no live audience for a beautiful change. Gideon, let's start with what the two of them had to say about the current global pandemic right out the gate. Yeah, so we did end up getting a little bit of a preview of their arguments over the course of the last week when both Biden and Sanders were giving speeches on the coronavirus while they were kind of sequestered in Vermont and Delaware, respectively. Mm -hmm. But both heavily criticized the Trump administration on Sunday night, and they were in agreement about the emergency actions that needed to take place. But where they differed is that Sanders used the crisis as a moment to validate his push for Medicare for all. Uh, But overall, the first chunk of the debate was dominated by the topic. And here is how Biden responded to the first question. There are three pieces of this. First of all, I have to take care of those who, in fact, are exposed or likely to be exposed to the virus. And that means we have to do testing. We have to get the testing kits up and ready. I would have the World Health Organization. I'd take advantage of the test kits they have available to us. Even though the president says a million or more are coming, let's just get all the tests we can done as quickly as we can. Secondly, I would make sure that every state in the union had at least 10 places where they had drive-through testing arrangements. I would also, at this point, deal with the need to begin to plan for the need for additional hospital beds. We have that capacity in the Department of Defense, as well as, in the, uh, as, well as with the uh, uh, FEMA. And they can set up 100-bed, 500-bed hospitals in tents quickly. We have to lay all that out. But we have to deal with the economic fallout quickly. And that means making sure the people who, in fact, lose their job, don't get a paycheck, can't pay their mortgage, are able to pay it and pay them now and do it now. Yeah, so talking about the health fallout and then the economic fallout, too. And then Sanders was asked a similar question at the start of the debate. Well, first thing we have got to do, whether or not I'm president, is to shut this president up right now. Because he is undermining the doctors and the scientists who are trying to help the American people. It is unacceptable for him to be blabbering with unfactual information, which is confusing the general public. Uh, Second of all, what we need to do, and I'm glad that he has called a state of national emergency, Uh, What we have got to do is move aggressively to make sure that every person in this country finally understands that when they get sick with the coronavirus, that they will, that all payments will be made, that they don't have to worry about coming up with money for testing. They don't have to worry about coming up with money for treatment. This is an unprecedented moment in American history. Now, I obviously believe in Medicare for all. I will fight for that as president. But right now, in this emergency, I want every person in this country to understand that when you get sick, you go to the doctor. When you get sick, if you have the virus, that will be paid for. Do not worry about the cost right now because we're in the middle of a national emergency. Yeah, so there were all kinds of questions pertaining to the coronavirus, and it very clearly overshadowed much of the debate. Right, and both of these guys were way more coherent off the cuff, just speaking extemporaneously about this, and Trump has been in prepared speeches. So at least we feel like secure in that. But anyways, the Biden campaign also seemed to have had some news planned for this debate amid all of the talk about this pandemic. Right. So Biden made this statement at some point during the debate where he said that he would definitively pick a woman as vice president should he be the nominee. And then, you know, Sanders was asked the same question and he said something, you know, like in all likelihood that he would as well. But I think the reason that Biden 
did it is sort of it reflects a little bit how he is now in this strong position to win the nomination and is trying to put this image of him against Trump already in voters' minds. He's trying mm-hmm. to kind of preview a general election. Additionally, to that end, Biden has been adopting some policies of his rivals in this apparent effort to try to make overtures to the left. We'll see if it ends up working. But two examples of that over the weekend, Biden said that he supported policy to make public colleges and universities tuition free for students with families uh, whose incomes are under $125,000. Now that mirrors an older stance from Sanders on the issue of free college. Uh, Biden also took on a Warren bankruptcy plan that, funnily enough, would reverse a bill that he championed in 2005. Yeah. Well, the debate wasn't really all forward looking, though. Sanders and Biden spent a lot of time litigating their extensive voting records. So what were some of the key exchanges on that? Yeah, so this was a pretty significant section kind of in the second third of the debate. But Sanders went after Biden on prior Senate comments regarding cuts to Social Security. Biden went after Sanders on prior gun legislation votes. There was a section on the 2008 financial bailout as well. And Sanders brought up Biden's prior trade stances and Iraq war vote. But the tone of it was largely substantive and mostly respectful with both candidates again at different times pledging to support the other should they end up being the eventual nominee. But I think that it felt a little bit like a seesaw from the conversation around, you know, the current pandemic that was through large parts of the debate and then, you know, flashing back to 20, 30 years in the past. You know, no one online is really talking specifically about somebody's vote in 2003. They're talking about, you know, how do you get groceries for the next four weeks if we're all in our houses? So, yeah, I I felt that as well. Well, those exchanges were bookended by the most important story in the world, as we've said, coronavirus. You know, we've talked before about how it's impacting everything in this campaign, but now it's also leading to changes in the actual primary calendar. Gideon, what's the latest on that? Yeah, so primary voting has actually been postponed outright in some places like Louisiana and Georgia. They both set later dates for when they're actually going to have people vote in the presidential primary. But on Tuesday, four big states are still set to vote and they are sticking to the schedule. They did make some changes, though. Yeah, um, Ohio... Ohio has started moving polling locations away from areas with higher populations of older people and they're expanding curbside drop-offs for absentee ballots. Then, you know, two large counties in Illinois are going to allow vote by mail ballots to be issued to all nursing home residents. Florida is also moving polling stations to and the Arizona Secretary of State's office is encouraging vote by mail if people can. There's also early vote that is already in, uh, but we're going to have to see how turnout in addition to that is on Tuesday, given the state of the world that we're in. (laughs) Right. Uh, All right. Well, we're going to keep you updated on the story as it progresses, but also head over to votesaveamerica.com where they are updating as the new changes come in. That is votesaveamerica.com. And now for some ads. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S., with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants 
are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach & Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Therapy is great for, you know, you know that thing that just is like sitting on your shoulder, you can't get over it, and you just sometimes need somebody to talk through it with? Therapy can be helpful for that, you all, okay? You got to get it off your chest, you know? And you can do that with BetterHelp. So visit BetterHelp.com slash WAD today to get 10% off your first month. That's 10% off your first month at BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash WAD. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. Israeli opposition leader Benny Gantz won support from a narrow majority of lawmakers over the weekend. This could mean Gantz becomes Israel's next prime minister, unseating current right-wing prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who's had the spot for the past 11 years. There's still no guarantee Gantz will get a majority coalition in parliament, but he's set to be recognized as prime minister-designate starting today. Netanyahu's pending corruption trial has been pushed to May due to coronavirus, a move some critics saw as an attempt by the justice minister he hired to extend his record-breaking term. Mr. Bibi, please get the virus's name out of your mouth, sir. (laughs) The app that taught me the renegade dance, TikTok, announced it would stop using moderators based in China to monitor content overseas. Some consider this an effort by the app's parent company, ByteDance Inc., to address concerns about how they could be influenced by the Chinese government. As a Chinese-owned media company, TikTok could theoretically censor political statements or other content that the Chinese government doesn't like. Even just last week, TikTok announced the creation of a new facility in L.A. that would let people view how teams at the company moderate its content. ByteDance is still under review by Congress for potential national security risks after the company bought the now-dead lip-syncing app Musical.ly in 2017. 
Hmm. A lot of suspicious stuff with all of those <laughs> names. Normcore icon Bill Gates has stepped down from Microsoft's board of directors after founding the company 45 years ago. Gates made his announcement through a LinkedIn post, which you would know about if you had just accepted his request to connect, and he added that it does not mean he's stepping away from Microsoft entirely. This decision marks an effort to, quote, dedicate more time to philanthropic priorities for Gates. He and his wife have donated tens of billions of dollars through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But we also hope he finds time to do stuff for fun, i.e. roll around on that big green hill from the background in Windows XP. I love that hill. All right. (laughs) Disney made Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker available to stream on Sunday ahead of its scheduled release dates as a way to create, quote, some fun and joy during this challenging period. Mm. Thank you. Because a daily dose of Babu Frick, the baby alien from the movie who fixes robots, is actually my physician-recommended treatment for anxiety. Disney also released Frozen 2 on Disney+, and not to be left behind on the COVID content release wave, Donald Glover dropped a surprise album Album on his website called Donald Glover Presents. It's a banger, but was removed from his website within 12 hours. BRB, while I use my free time to learn hacking. I will not be practicing social distancing from Mr. Frick. <laughs> and those are the headlines. Gideon and I have been keeping you up to date on coronavirus, and we're now bringing in some reinforcements. Epidemiologist, former public health official, and host of America Dissected, Dr. Abdul El-Sayed, is back with a new season to give us updates on the pandemic and everything you need to know. It's calm, factual, and in language that makes sense. There will be new episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. Find them in the America Dissected feeds wherever you listen to podcasts. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, strum us a riff, and tell your friends to listen. And if you're into reading and not just the S's on Skittles like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And don't, don't miss, miss your, your daily, daily Babu, Babu Frick. frick. <laughs> We're no longer in the same room, so this is going to be wonky. What a Day is a product of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our senior producer is Katie Long. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador.